Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. This week is going to be amazing. As you all can see, there's three chairs, um, and so that means there's three people um, that are going to be up here. And so we have an amazing um, couple that is going to be here as we're in week three of this um, sermon series, Scars. And, and so I want to... Uh, do the, uh, the, 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 the real stuff as far as just making sure that we honor them well because we are a house that honors. Come on. So um, I, I want to just um, introduce these uh, two amazing individuals. Um, and so I'm going to read this, guys. Please don't, um, don't fight me. Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I read this well. So, um, and so we have two amazing individuals, um, Gary and Brittany Wardlaw. Can we just clap for them? Right? And so before they come up... Um, Y'all are so nice. Y'all are so humble. Y'all are like, oh. <laughs> um, but let me just read this real quick. It says, Gary and Brittany have been married for 12 adventure-filled years. Amen. I need that. Come on. They said adventure-filled. Adventure-filled. Some of y'all, y'all boring. I want an adventure-filled marriage. Amen. <laughs> it says, uh, come, oh, this is so beautiful. They met. Um, en route to a missions trip to Uganda and Kenya, where they spent three weeks serving the Lord, becoming best friends. Becoming best friends. Serving the Lord. Do not take what you do for granted in this house. Oh, man. That was a confirmation for, like, two people. <laughs> Only two people. <laughs> Maybe one male, one female. <laughs> um, it says, uh, over a decade later, they are the parents of five beautiful daughters. All daughters. Five. Um, come on, the hospitality team, they, uh, I think they were able to meet the, uh, all the girls. They're so beautiful, by the way. Um, be fruitful and... What? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Um, they are co-owners of multiple businesses and nonprofits. Um, Gary is a licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor, holding special designation as a supervisor. And he's been practicing for 11 years. That, I'm telling you, history. Um, Brittany is a legally trained consultant who has spent most of her career in various sectors doing work related to equity and civil rights. Um, in 2020, she resigned from her position to higher education and shortly thereafter started her consulting firm where she offers analysis, advising, and education related to diversity, equity, and inclusion and bias. Come on. Y'all better be clapping because a lot of that affects y'all. <laughs> um, but these two individuals love speaking and presenting on all things marriage and family, as well as content related to the overlap of their professions, um, race, equity, education, and racial trauma. When they are not working in the Ministry of Healing and Education, they are raising world-changing queens, those five queens, come on, <laughs> on a mission to do the Father's work. And so um, as a Gap Church, can we just stand up real quick um, and just uh, welcome um, Gary and Brittany Wardlaw. Y'all can come side stage here. Can we just keep on clapping for them? Keep on clapping for them. Keep on clapping for them. Keep on clapping for them. Can we just keep on clapping for them? Thank you. You guys may have your seat. Wow, that was a, a drop. <laughs> quite the intro. I, I said, is it hot in here? <laughs> a little warm. Yeah, you go do our intro every time. Right. <laughs> you just got a new job. Right. 
Man, I just want to say thank you guys for being here. It's, it's truly a pleasure. Um, we've had amazing conversations over the past few days, week and weeks, and so I'm super excited, and they should be super excited. Um, and so be excited, guys, because um, this is going to be a, a great um, conversation, and we know the Holy Spirit's really going to speak through all of us, right? Let's just pray one more time, um, just real quick. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you, God, for this time. We want to say thank you, Lord, for um, all of us being up here, God. We say, Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit continues to move as always, God. We pray, Heavenly Father, God, that every single heart be receptive, God, to what you want to do, Lord. We pray, God, even as um, words are being uttered, God, we pray, Lord, um, that healing, deliverance, God, um, mending shall take place, O Lord. We give you all the glory and honor and adoration in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And so specifically in this series, guys, we are being sensitive and safe. sensitive and safe. And so um, this is going to be a good one. And so um, today we are going to talk about um, forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> today we're going to talk about forgiveness um, and, and I just really want to just pitch to you guys real quick. What is, obviously there's a, a general definition. What is um, forgiveness or, yeah, what does it mean to forgive? What does that mean to you guys? Oh, man. First of all, thank you all for having us. Um, thank you for uh, welcoming us with a lot of warm and welcoming um, smiles and faces. Because when you bring five kids to a place... You don't know how you're going to be received, but y'all have gotten an A++. And for that, um, you know, when we can let our kids go into someone else's care for the, while we get to work and minister, um, you know, that's, that's nothing we take lightly. So to the house, thank you. Hospitality team, everyone, thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, man, forgiveness. I, I, it is... I think in my own words, right, it's, it's this idea of truly letting go of whatever transgression, whatever hurt, whatever pain that was endured by you. Um, and, but again, not just letting go once, but it sometimes can be, and we'll get into this later, it can be a continual letting go. Um, but it's this idea of like, I am now releasing this person from whatever they did. I'm taking them off the hook, off, off of my earthly hook, and I am now putting it on the Father's hook because it is now his responsibility to deal with it. And when that happens, uh, when that, that process happens, you know, you're lighter, you're less angry, you're, you're, you're happier, there's more joy, um, but ultimately there's a trust restored um, between you and God. Um, and potentially you and that perpetrator. Yeah, the only thing, well said, baby. Um, we kind of like each other, which is a little why bit. We have five kids. Can I move this or am um, I going to throw off? <laughs> That's how we got five um, kids. Yeah. Um, the, the, on, the only other thing I would, I would add to that is this idea of control that we often wrestle with. Um, do we want to stay in control of this transgression, this pain, this person, this circumstance or situation? I want to hold on to it because I'm going to take care of it. Because releasing it means it's no longer in my control and I'm 
relinquishing that control elsewhere to the Lord, and I trust that he will address it. And a lot of times we don't feel like, mm, I feel like I'm going to address this better than what you're going to do. Or I don't know what you're going to do, so I'd rather keep it. So forgiveness is, I don't know what's going to happen once I release this, but I know it's no longer mine. Um, so that relinquish, relinquishing of control. Um, forgiveness. Yeah. No, that's perfect. And I think there's something that you both said there that I'm going to kind of um, talk a bit on before I hand it back to you guys. Is, is this perspective of control? Control. Everybody say control. So the, the title for today's discussion is um, The Struggle of Letting Go. It's time to forgive. The struggle of letting go, it's time to forgive. So they both spoke a bit about um, this word, word control and, and things being in our court and us feeling and that we can probably do things better and trust. Um, and, and I think this is super important because um, a lot of us thought that we we're going to escape week one um, <laughs> without trusting God. And it's showing up again in week three because of this is how important it is. Because if you don't trust God, it's going to end up um, leaking into other areas of your healing. That's why we started there. That's why we started that. If you can trust God, then it will make a, a little bit, a lot of other things just a bit easy easier for you to get full healing. And so I want us to open our Bibles real quick because we got to go into the Bible. Um, let's open our Bibles to Romans 12, um, 9 to 10, and I'll also read 17 to 21. Romans 12, 9 to 10, and then I'll read 17 to 21. Uh, if you're there, say there. If you're not there, I think it should be on the screen, so perfect. Okay. Um, it says, <clears throat> love must be completely sincere. Hate what is evil. Here we go. Hold on to what is good. Love one another warmly as Christians and be eager to show respect for one another. I'll skip down to verse 17. If someone has done you wrong, do not repay him with? There we go. Try to do what everyone considers to be good. Verse 18. Do everything possible on your part to live in? Peace with everybody. Verse 19. Never take my friends, but instead let God's anger do it. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay back, says the Lord. Verse 20. Instead, as the scripture says, if your enemies are hungry, what? Oh, man, this is triggering some people. If they are thirsty, for by doing this, you will make them what? Jesus. Verse 21. Do not let evil defeat you. Instead, conquer evil with bless the reading of God's word. Amen. That right there, just let it simmer a little bit. No, for real. This, this, this struggle is very important, and, and, and we're going to get some more some things because I want you guys to understand, we cannot even go through, and we're going to go through, we cannot go through the process straight on on how do we forgive if we cannot even just address the why. Because many of us are asking, why? Why did this happen to me? Why does this person continue to walk on? Why do they, why do they keep on living and, and doing whatever they want to do? Can we be honest that when situations happen to us, because this is where the struggle is, and, and this is what she was saying, and, and they were both saying that this control and this um, perspective that um, I, think, I think I should be able to, 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 to handle the situation. When things happen to us, guys, when um, someone 
goes through sexual abuse, when someone has their heart breaking, um, broken, when, when some people have a relationship where someone cheats on them, what is the first thing that comes to mind? I hope they get cheated on too. Yeah, let's be honest. That, that's what we want. We, we, here's the thing. We are, we are saying to ourselves that God, pay them fire for fire. That's the reality. And, and, it, and here's the thing. If it doesn't look like what I went through, it's not really, it's not really um, you, you didn't avenge them well. That's, that's, that, I can't trust that it's going to look like what I went through. Or, David, if you don't see it happen, we also have that struggle of, I need to know that this is happening. Right? Because that trust piece, it goes back to trust in the Lord. Do I trust that the Lord is doing what he promised in his word that he would do? We either believe all of his promises or we believe none of them. We can't pick and choose which promises we're going to believe. Because he said, he said it. Don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. So if we believe the promises that the Lord gave us in his word, he said he's going to take care of it. We may never know. We may never know. We may never see it. And I think that's part of the struggle is if I don't see it happening, I don't know what's happening. So I, you know what? And that goes back to what my husband was saying, taking we take, we take it back. We give it to the Lord, then we take it back. You know, he said, cast all your anxiety upon me. Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. And what we do is we cast it out, and then we go back out there. Let me, oh, I need to take this back, you know? And, and this kind of goes to what we talked about a little bit, about the re-triggering that tends to happen. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's this idea when, sorry, that, yeah. Yeah, it's this idea that when, when we, believe that we're over it, the, the reality is as long as we're here on this earth, we're in flesh, we're walking in flesh. So you, you can expect that something may trigger said event. And when that trigger happens, you have to learn, and we'll probably get into this a little bit later, but you have to learn how to not, if you don't see that revenge happen or, or God, if you don't see that happen, then you're going to go back out and say, I need to take care of this. Because if for some reason, it's this false sense of I'm going to feel better if they get what comes to them. If I can see it, and, and really it is, it, is, it is false. Because at the end of the day, that's not going to necessarily make you feel better long. It might, it might, it might give you some some satisfaction in the moment, but not long-term to heal whatever gaping wound that it was, that was caused. Yeah, and, and I want to speak to that as well, because I have a perfect example. As you guys know, I showed you pictures of my accident that happened in the first, in the first week, and, and you know what's so funny? Because as they're saying this, this re-triggering of it happens. I remember after my accident happened, I didn't file any police reports or anything like that. You know, the police were like, oh, do you want to pressure any charges? I was like, no, I'm fine. You know, and so maybe like two or three weeks after, I said, bruh, I'm suing this person. No, no, no. Because, because when you, at first, as believers, because I'm going to get to that too. As believers, we know the right thing to do. We know God's nature. Can we sometimes say that because we know God's nature, it sometimes makes us feel like, dang, I don't, I don't know if I want to put this in his hands. Because he's going to forgive this person. Mm -hmm. And you don't want that. Right. 
You, you don't, don't want that. You don't. You want them to feel what you felt. Suffer. Suffer. And that's why it's, I want you to suffer the same way, or not even, or maybe even more. I want you to suffer. So that's why we hold on to this, right? This unforgiveness, right? The uh, the the inability to let the resentment go, to let the anger go. Like we hold on to it because we're we live in a very unforgiving society and culture. I mean, you call a spade a spade. You step on my shoes in high school, we fighting. I'm not talking to you for at least a month because we've been bred to have this entitlement, like I am going to hold on to it. So, and this is really a quick, quick story. We, so the, the continent of Africa is super dear and near to our heart. Obviously, I, I met Jesus in Uganda and Kenya, and I met my best friend, my wife. So same time, right? So uh, we talked about it last year, last two, two nights ago. I was like, maybe we spent our 20th anniversary in Uganda and the Masamara and Kenya and the lions and all that. You want to do that? Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, so, so it, it, it's beautiful. Like, God really, t- like, he got a hold of me. <laughs> he got a hold of me. I was like, you want to go to France? She's like, don't take me to France. Don't take my, I don't want to spend my money over there. Take me to, take me to Uganda. Um, but, you know, East Africa specifically was able to go over there. And that's where we met. That's why I met Jesus. But then I was able to travel to um, Rwanda uh, two years in a row to, I say, study forgiveness between, you know, the, the Rwandan genocide that happened in 94. But honestly, they taught me way more than I ever could, could understand or learn on my own. Um, and the short of it was the way the Tutsis and the Hutus at that time, they referred to themselves as now, they obviously just refer to themselves as one or as Rwandans. But when you really break down what happened between those two tribes and how they can live in community um, now, you know, 20 years removed from 800,000 people getting slaughtered, I like it took me back like this idea of what it means to forgive and to reconcile. I know we're not really talking about reconciling today, but that kind of goes in forgiveness and reconciliation. But when I was there, it just made me realize that you have you're literally sitting next to people who potentially took the lives of your family members. So if you can imagine that and how you're able to forgive somebody and not just forgive, but to be in relationship with them. I just, it, it really made me realize how we do, excuse me, how we do forgiveness in America. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that. Where was I going? It taught you. It, yeah, it taught me just, thank you. I know, I'm glad you helped them out. <laughs> you know, it, it just taught me as a society how much work and intentional work has to be done when it comes to this idea of what I've been taught about what forgiveness is versus what unforgiveness is. So that experience allowed me to say, I, very, I know very little about what forgiveness is and even how to do it. That's good. I want y'all to write this down, forgiveness. The, the official definition for it, or to forgive, right? It means to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, or mistake. Stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone. I can even say something 
for an offense, flaw, or mistake. There's something that you said there, Gary, that's really important that I want to um, harp on. The culture that we live in is a very unforgiving culture. Um, and many times um, we are called to, to, not, um, to be in the world but not of the world, right? But still, these things end up um, putting pressure on us because if we're not careful, we may have people around us, friends. We may have um, um, just seeing things on social media where it tells us um, how unforgiving we should be and that it affirms us um, that, oh, if your father wasn't there, he's a deadbeat dad. Don't ever forgive him. He deserves, he deserves to never be spoken to ever again, right? Um, so we have these, these narratives that ideally, logically, and practically make sense, but it makes sense because of the culture. And, and I want to open the Bible real quick to Ephesians 4, 21 to 24, Ephesians 4, 21 to 24, because I'm going to tie this um, together. As far as why, before we even get into the frameworks of how we can forgive, why this is a struggle. Ephesians 4, 21 to 24 says, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, Forgiveness is a struggle because we have to understand that the trigger is that, yes, we can be very unforgiving, and, and, and it makes sense. But then what handcuffs us is that we are a new creature. What handcuffs us is that we are only a new creature because he forgave us. Understand that. This, this is only possible because of God's forgiveness. And so... As I was studying this, and, and I know that as we were talking about this, many times if you look in Scripture, when you want to talk about forgiveness and, 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 and want to talk about, okay, what does the Bible say about forgiveness? It says forgive because I forgave you. That seems so dumb and simple and seems agitating for somebody who's been raped. So you're saying I should forgive because you forgave me. But if you actually deep it, what this shows is that maybe as a people, we have started to desensitize ourselves from the power of the forgiveness that God showed towards us. Yeah. Maybe as a people, we don't value what happened on the cross anymore. Think about that. Because what God is saying is that you should forgive because you have no reason to point a finger. I set my son on the cross for you. He was lashed. He had a crown of thorns on his head, and he died for you. Who are you saying you don't want to forgive? So, so this this is so this is so hard because it's, at the end of the day, it's like so that just consoles everything. But it gives us it gives us work and homework to say to ourselves, okay, I need to I need to come into agreement and start to understand how powerful what happened and what the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was. On that cross because that is where my forgiveness starts that is where my forgiveness starts you want to i got a thought but if you want Go ahead. As, long as, as long as you remember where you're going <laughs> i'm gonna remember i'm gonna remember um you know to your to your point david and i think going back to and i might be jumping ahead but like the, the why this is a struggle oftentimes yes it's, it's, it's culture 
it's which, but if you understand the context of America um, and kind of how we're taught, then it it, it kind of makes sense, right? But if we're we're speaking to a house that you know we can freely say we're we're believers in Christ, so I I also think you know bringing bringing the practical kind of what I study side of it is I don't think really we understand the complexities of forgiveness. But like you said, the word was, but it's also simple. And both can coexist at the same time. Yes, it is simple that we forgive because God forgave us. Complex because I'm not really taught that not only do I have to forgive this person who transgressed against me, but now I also potentially have to work through forgiveness of God. Like, I have to forgive, God, I, I feel like you left me. You allowed this to happen. And we don't really talk about what this looks like because it's, it's so complex like, and you have to work through these complex emotions. So I think that's another reason why we kind of fall short on this idea of forgiveness because we think it's just linear or, or, or uh, horizontal, but I think it's, it goes both ways at times. Now, when we fully accept what Jesus did on the cross for us, I think it becomes a little easier for this process to, to, to start but when it comes to this idea of like, well, why is this such a struggle for people? I think the complexities are not taught. Mm-hmm. And when you say the complexity, it's like that that element of my relationship with, with the Father, with Jesus, with the Spirit. Um, like you said, this alignment happens when this is an alignment. And it's very easy to be like, okay, yeah, just forgive that person. But we talked about this when we were discussing it. It's this idea of like, my trust with the Father, my trust right. with the Holy Spirit is broken because, like Gary just said, you allowed this to happen. I don't know if you're going to take care of this. I can't believe that this happened to me. I trusted you and you let this happen. And so when we're in relationship with the Father, you know, we can say, is this relationship important to me? Because if it is, I'm going to be obedient. Can, can I just say something yes. to that? Because I want us to, to sit on that a little bit. Because what, what's coming to mind, even as we're, we're here right now, is that um, is a question that I want us to ask ourselves. Do we actually b- believe that God has mercy on us? Mm-hmm. Like, do we actually mm-hmm. believe that when I say, God, I'm sorry for doing this thing, that he actually has wiped it out of his memory? Mm-hmm. I remember I was hearing this quote from um, this amazing um, Speaker, and she was saying that, do we, we know that God loves us, but do we, do we actually think that God likes us? Mm. <laughs> and it's the same thing, like, we know God has forgiven us, right? But do we actually believe, like, he actually has mercy on us on a daily basis? Or do we think he's actually just keeping a track record to come and switch it up on us on Judgment Day? Mm. Because that goes back to the trust mm-hmm. element, because... Um, if we, if, if, if we have this perspective of God that um, there's no way he forgot I did this thing. There's no way that um, he truly doesn't, that he truly sees me as clean because he's looking at his son. There's no way I'm, I'm filthy in his, in his eyes after I masturbated yesterday. There's no way that after this person did this to me that I can be clean again. And, and he just forgot about that. And he's going to avenge me? Mm-hmm. And again, complex, right? So now we're hit with guilt and shame and questions and like, and I, I'll be very honest. You told us to get honest on this on the stage. Like, 
the idea of being angry at God for 10 years in my, my, my walk, I was like, no, like there's no anger. But then you look at scripture, you, you see real emotions from the Psalms. You see real emotions. And so it's okay that God can handle these. I say they're just feelings. They're not good or bad, but there's just feelings toward these strong feelings toward God. But yes, so you have this with God, you have this with the person, and then you have this critical voice from the enemy. Now I have to real now I, not only do I have to understand to work through these feelings here, but now I got this critical God don't love you. He let that happen. Is he really as good as he say he is? So now you have to work through those nagging voices because the enemy knows how to keep you away. Can I, can I ask some questions to both of you guys? Because obviously um, you deal with different clients and different people um, who have had their trust broken with humans. What do you usually, because obviously I, I'm not saying that this is the tell all for us between God and our relationship, but what do you usually tell people like that who, who said that, um, I want to I wanna get married again. I want to I wanna explore healthy friendships, but my trust has been broken. What do you tell them? Because I think that might be able to give us an idea of maybe even how we can even approach God just honestly. Double Dutch. Okay, Were you going to say something too? Yeah, You take a sip, I take a sip? Sip, sip, sip. All right. Uh, what I normally tell clients, so what I normally tell clients when they say, "Hey, I want to learn how to trust someone," because yeah, I have a lot of broken trust. Okay, so I normally give them an equation. So if all you note takers, here's, here's an equation to take you back to math, right? So simple: trust equal sign, consistency over behavior over time. So consistency and behavior. That, that just sets some people free. Over time. That's how you build trust. That's the equation of trust. Trust equals consistency and behavior over time. Um, that's why I normally start. Especially working with couples. It's like, he took out the trash. Well, can he take out the trash for the next month? <laughs> Somebody over here. <laughs> Somebody just had a breakthrough. Uh, <laughs> no, um, right. It could be something as simple as that, or it could be something you know, very much more heavier, right? An affair, or um, what else do I tell them? So I start there. Um, actually, I'm gonna pass it to you. Go ahead. Double yeah. and go ahead. Go ahead. You go. So when we discussed this, one of the first things that came to mind was Proverbs three, five, and six. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. All right. If the Lord is bringing you to and in relationship with a person, you know when he's leading. And a lot of times our logic says, nope, this person hurt me. This has happened. Absolutely not. I'm not doing this. I'm not. No, I'm not allowing them in in this way or I'm not letting this person in because of our logic says this doesn't make sense. So when we go to the scripture and it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, a lot of times we lean on our own understanding to be logical. Like other people are like, oh, this is dumb. Don't do this. Like this has happened to you before. This might happen. Don't do it. But God said, trust in me. And if we're, if we're following his leading and this is what he's telling us to do and we, and we trust him, 
because that's what we've been talking about for a few minutes is like, what's this trust situation? If we trust him, then it's okay to trust this person regardless of what the outcome's going to be. And this is something that I've had to um, even work through in marriage was I am a very logical person, right? I'm gonna make decisions that make sense. You know, this, this plus this, you know, this is the decision I'm gonna make because this is logical, right? I'm reasoning, um, I'm, I'm risk averse. I don't like, you know, I don't like things very. not going well. So I'm gonna take a very calculated route, right? My husband is very spontaneous and not logical in that in that way. So I, w you know, in all transparency, that's something I always had to work through. Was okay, Lord, you said this the one, this the one. You said me and him. Okay, so if I truly trust you, then it's going to be easy to trust him. And even with what happens, I still come back to, do I trust you? Okay, I trust you, then I can trust him and then vice versa. Mm -hmm. And I would just add, you know, the, I don't, I, I oftentimes don't ask a lot of questions in therapy or when I'm working with clients, because a big part of it is exploring. So I need to explore just like what, well, trust was broken, well, tell me how it was impacting you. If I can find out in the ways that it was impacting you or the ways that it is impacting you, then I feel like we can start to do more pointed work when it comes to like the rebuilding of that trust. Yeah, and I, and I was going to say this as well, because I think with what we're saying, I want you all to understand that this is so important because there's a lot of people who, um, who you find it very hard to forgive because you haven't had reconciliation mm -hmm. um, or you've never heard a sorry. Right? Um, and I want to give us understanding on this because I was reading this in scripture and I was, and I was looking, about, looking at how... Um, Imagine if God uh, chose to only forgive us when his son died. I want y'all to process that. Some of y'all are like, oh, I thought that was him forgiving us. No, no, no. Like, think about the Abraham, the Moses, the Elijah, the Elishas, the Davids, this, you know, all of them. So imagine if God only chose to forgive his people when Jesus Christ died. Like, that's when it happened. And it made me understand that um, we, need to, we need to cut away the narrative that in order for there to be forgiveness, there has to be reconciliation. Hear that again. In order for me to be able to forgive somebody, there has to be reconciliation. So I have to sit down one-on-one -on -one with them, and they have to tell me what I want to hear. I'm sorry that I did this to you. All right, cool. I can forgive you now. Because as believers, we are called to we're we're called to walk according to the calling, right? And so, understand that when we look at, because think about it like this: when I look at the life of Jesus Christ, and when we can look through Scripture, there's many people that He forgave down the road. There wasn't no reconciliation. There was no reconciliation with His hometown. There was no reconciliation with Judas. True. There wasn't. Um, and so imagine if we continue to walk. Because here's the thing. Society tells us until there's reconciliation, then we should forgive. But what if we never are in the room with that perpetrator ever again? 
what if that ex never tells us, I'm sorry, you're right, I was, I was full of it? What if that absent parent never has a conversation ever again with us? And they go on to be with the Lord. You are now left with this huge burden and this huge load because you want you, 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 you want, you to forgive so badly, but it has to, I have to hear something specifically. That'll keep you on the the train of unforgiveness going at a very fast speed. Um, people do want that, right? And, and I'm glad you made that point. Like, reconciliation is a whole other thing. Does Jesus want reconciliation? Yes, but is it a prerequisite to forgiveness? Absolutely. And which goes to the whole miseducation of why I think our society struggles with this concept this this really a, a mandate from the Lord is because we have such a miseducation, right? We also right, forgive and forget. How many people have heard that? Raise your hand if you've heard forgive that's, and that's forget. Not, that's not scriptural. Forgive and forget. In other words, if I truly forgave, then it would be erased out of my memory and my mind. That's what... Which That's what we're true. taught. But we're human. So now you, you, you forgive. You say you forgave. And then the thought comes across your mind. But because you've been taught that forgiveness means you forget, now you're struggling because I didn't forget. And, and now I'm can, triggered. And can I say that? When he says we're human because literally the framework of our brain literally stores memories. <laughs> <laughs> it stores memories. Like... It's, I mean, that's, that's why a lot of times I say, that, you know, if you're not careful when you drink so much alcohol, it, 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 it creates like such a separation when you, where you can black out because like that, the, the process to get the memory, it, it creates a space there. So there's some things that you will, just because of the way our brain is made, we won't forget. And it doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. So if anybody's on that train or that thought, please, miseducation. Go ahead, babe. Yeah, um, a couple of things, because I want us to go through the process of what it looks like to, um, to actually forgive. But I want to I just uh, say a couple of things real quick. Just I want you all to take these notes down. If we continue to struggle and keep on this fight against, um, you know, I don't know if I can trust God with these things, you know. Um, I need it done a specific way. There's going to be four things or about five things that I saw in Scripture um, that, that's going to end up happening. Number one, vengeance. We will take vengeance for ourselves. Um, even though we are asked um, not to avenge those who hurt us, right? Um, number two, we will see an increased level of pride within our lives. Because for someone to say that I don't believe God can handle it, I can handle it myself, that is pride, by the way, just straight up. Um, number three, of course, anger. Anger. Um, that's self-explanatory. Number four, we run. We are going to run away from God. I look at the story of Jonah. Why did Jonah run away from God? Because he knew that, that God would end up forgiving <laughs> the people of Nineveh. And so we end up running from God because we know in his nature is to forgive. And so if it doesn't look like that, if, if we don't, if we're not, uh, like there's no redemption in the way that we want it to look, we 
are going to just run away from because like, God, I know what you're going to do for that person. They're still going to get the good job. They're still going to make all that money. They're still going to get married and I'm still going to be single. So I'm going to run away from you because I don't like that that's your nature, even though I'm, I'm benefiting from it. And number five, we'll end up turning away because um, it, that will be the final decision for us to, to choose not to trust God at all. That, you know what, I just don't trust you at all. Don't worry. I'll handle it myself. I'll figure it out myself. Um, I'm not going to trust you because obviously I can only trust you if you can see my pain. If you can respond this way. If this person goes to jail. That's when I can trust you. And so we end up turning away. And so that's, that's, that's some things I want us to understand if we continue on with this struggle. And so um, as we're talking, um, there's this amazing process uh, that we're kind of going through as far as what can get us to forgiveness. Because the reason why we had to spend a little bit of length on tackling the struggle and this trust again is because um, if we can't even tackle that, we can't even get to this process. Um, and so one of the things that in this process that you guys mentioned is um, pray. Yeah. The process to forgiving. It starts with prayer. Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask a question because... <clears throat> um, as people who are in this field, you have met different couples, met different people um, who don't have the opportunity to pray, who don't believe in a higher power or our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. What does prayer do for us as believers that you see um, that, what does prayer do for us, the place of prayer do for us um, in this process of forgiveness that for other people, if they didn't have it, um, or it creates conflict for other people because they don't have it? Yeah, so I just want to say this this uh, quick segue to this conversation about prayer. Um, even when we were worshiping, the Lord brought this to my mind and memory is that, you know, y'all don't know a whole lot about, you know, where we were before we moved here, but we're not from Texas. Um, we've only been here a few years. Coming out here was an act of obedience. Um, we have... We had no family, no connections, nothing. And literally, we felt like the Lord was calling us here, so we moved here. And as we were worshiping, I stood there and I realized, man, there is a lot that the Lord had ordained for our lives before, before the beginning of time that we had the opportunity to walk in our destiny because we were obedient. And the, that aspect of walking, of being obedient goes to trusting God. I can trust you with whatever you're leading me to do. Um, and it also unlocks what the Lord has for you. Our unforgiveness keeps a lot of those doors, opportunities, and the roads to our destiny locked. Um, and there's barriers there that we can't get there because there's something in our heart that we're harboring that the Lord's like, just give it to me so we can go all the places that you're dreaming of that are in your heart that God has called you to do. But we can't get there until you give me this thing. Um, it's weighing you down and it's keeping you tied up to this, this fence right here. And we have so many places to go. So that piece that David talked about of like, okay, how do we even get here to this framework? And then having this conversation about prayer We've talked a lot about coming as you are, 
Because a lot of times we think we got to get ourselves together and we got to get right before we come to God, before we pray. Oh, man, I got to get my heart and right, my heart and mind right before I come to him. And prayer is that process of getting right. I come as I am. I give him everything that that my husband was talking about earlier. Like, if I'm angry, I talk to him about that anger. If I'm frustrated, if I'm upset, if I feel betrayed, um, if I'm distrusting, whatever those emotions and feelings and thoughts are, we can come to him. That's part of prayer. That is literally my conversation, my authenticity. And as we often say. But naked, no socks. With, with God. That's like, how you got to get. Just naked. You got to get vulnerable. Yeah. You don't have to be put together and have everything looking right and together and ironed and matching and all these things. Literally, you come as you are with all of those things. And then that's the process of trusting him with the unforgiveness. Uh, to add to, to this point of prayer. So, so kind of this framework, right? All right. So this, and I guess to, to set up kind of how we utilize can we move in how we move into this idea of well, what's the process of forgiveness mm-hmm. we feel like what god has given us and you guys see it on our shirts you know this i pray i talk i see a therapist um we'll kind of slowly go through that because we do feel like god has given it to us as a framework of healing like these three things he's given us can provide healing so when it comes to this idea of prayer in addition to what my wife said, I, I like to believe that the prayer is first. It's essential. And what it does, it, it, it anchors us. It anchors us. It, it allows us to focus whatever we're going through, our eyes and our attention to Jesus. And we were watching uh, the last episode of, um, of The Chosen. And... Man, I guess I can't really use that because I'm a spoiler for people. I just thought about it. <laughs> you know what? I can't use that. Y'all read the story about Jesus. I'll say the same thing. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. <laughs> it's the Bible. So if you didn't, yeah, so if you didn't. It's a spoiler for you if you don't read your Bible. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's walking on water, right? And we read we read Peter walking on water. And what I what struck out what stuck out to me was this idea like he he was ta- it was a conversation. There's a, there was an exchange. That's what prayer is. It's an exchange. And it kept his eyes focused on you. And he walked on water. The faith. But then what happened? He took his eyes off. And the wind and the storm and all. So that's what's happened in our lives when we talk about forgiveness. There can be so many things that will distract us from keeping our eyes on Jesus to help us in this storm so that's why prayer is so important because it helps us center like what is true what is good what is important what are your what are your what are your promises and we get that through centering through meditation on his word um and on his promises so that's why prayer is yes because the prayer aspect is not because god has to have it he knows we have to have it we need that to be anchored and centered to him. Because even in praying, I remember I was feeling like, man, I, I got I got to pray because if I don't. And the Lord is like, literally, I'm calling you to pray so that you can anchor to me because yeah. I know that you're in a storm. And that storm is going to toss you mm-hmm. to and fro. Mm-hmm. 
is going to continue to bring up those feelings. When you get triggered and you, you know, you, you might get in a car because you've been in a car accident and somebody hit you. And now you, the door slamming is a trigger, right? So then that storm starts. Well, what do you have to do? Got a sinner. So that's that the idea. So whether somebody is a believer in my room or not a believer in my room, prayer is prayer, centering, meditation, whatever it is that keeps you uh, in a posture of, Lord, where are you? I need you. That's good. And, and um, I think there's a, there's a question that came here because uh, I'm also looking at the Slido. Don't forget, um, we'll have the Slido for any questions that may come up that we can ask each other. And then anything that doesn't get answered today, next weekend, we're going to answer most of them. But someone says, um, <clears throat> does seizing with prayer lead to losing trust in God? Does, does, um, so if, if, does seizing with prayer lead um, to losing trust in God? I, I, I don't know if I can answer that um, a little bit, but <clears throat> um, I think, uh, well, you know how the, the scripture says, um, uh, pray without seizing. Like, so never stop praying, right? So um, if, we, if we start to reduce how much we pray with God, um, does, that, um, does that mean that we're going to lose trust with God? Personally, I'll say this, um, and, and I think... What you have to understand, as they were saying, what is prayer? Prayer is communication. Um, and so uh, let's just practicalize it. Um, if I'm talking with person B or if I communicate with person B <clears throat> after day one, will I trust them? No. Right? Okay. Let's say I talk to this person B every single day now. There's a buildup of trust, right? Now, there's a buildup of trust on my end, maybe even on their side. They may trust me as well, um, de depending on what the information is, uh, depending if we're butt naked uh, before them, right? Uh, but literally, um, over time, if we're not careful, when we now take out that consistency, um, there still may be a remnant of what that trust was, but there's a hesitance because we're now like, uh, like I know I trust them, but I don't necessarily know, like, because we haven't spoken in a long time. So I know their nature, but just because of how things are, I don't know if I really want to, like, explore those waters again. So I would say in general, because of who God's nature is, you can always trust him, right? But understand from our side, when we, um, when we now break consistency with speaking to God, we are now the ones that tend to be very, ah, I don't know if I want to, um, we're the ones that, it's almost like in a, a way of shame a bit, you know, or like, a, you know, that we tend to just like, oh, I don't know. So I wouldn't say there's a losing of trust when um, we stop praying, but understand that, like what she was just saying, he knows what we need. He knows what season we're in. And so when you choose not to pray, um, in a way, I would say it's like you're choosing not to trust him. That's the reality. Yeah, when you were sharing, I had this visual of essentially it's like God is he's he's anchored and stationary in us in a space, in a place. And the things that are happening in the world are constantly blowing us, blowing us, pushing us, pushing us. It's almost like we're in a boat in the water. Right. And we're constantly being blown and pushed and pushed and pushed when we're praying and connected to the father. We're anchored to him, right? We let go. We might, we're still right next to him. But the more things that we have to endure every day, um, the things that we are navigating on a daily, it's like winds pushing us away, 
pushing us away, pushing us away. He didn't leave. He's still right there, right where we were anchored to him. But the more we're disconnected, the longer we're disconnected, the further away that we get. And he's, and a lot of times we're like, God, you left me. And he's like, I'm in the same place I was when we stopped communicating, when we stopped being in community with each other. And I, I have a prayer sometimes that I'll just be like, Lord, I know I've drifted. Can you come find me? Yeah. Can you yeah. come find me? Please yeah. just come get me. Um, no. I, I, I love that because the question I was really about to ask was like, what is practical prayer language for someone um, in, in this specific uh, place? And, and I think that's your personal language, but I love how honest is it. And, and I think that's a challenge for us. We need to be honest in the place of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's some people, um, I'll be honest with you, we are going to have to get to a place where we pray for the person that abused us. And I and bless them. Yeah. Not like, writing curses on them. Not writing curses. Because <laughs> then there's a, there, and I can't remember what scripture, but one of my, one of my um, close friends brought this verse up to my attention that if I do pray those prayers of curse, like, it's worse for me. Like, God's going to be like, whoa, 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 wait. Don't do that. Like, that's don't, not, don't pray for their downfall. Um, more practical language while you're looking at a, um, is, that slipped my mind. My choo-choo, it left. <laughs> it went out the um, practical language. So practical language for somebody who's like, um, okay, I've, I've been abused. I've, I've gone through a, a, a hard heartbreak. Um, or I just don't know if I can truly trust God, but, you know, I'm going to try this prayer thing and, and really be honest before him. And this is practice. This is personal. So I, I want you to put yourself in, in, a, in a perspective, you know, um, it, absent father. What's, what's just that a scenario? An absent father who has not been there your whole life and you are going before God right now. What, what, what are you saying? I, I'm, I'm learning and looking through the Psalms. I'm looking through what is, how did, what is, what is the framework, what, what are the receipts that you've given us, God, to let people know how to express their, all, all of their, all, and all their vulnerability, their anger, their frustration, their, where are you, their questioning. I had to be able to look at what scripture says. So the practical language for me is, I'm going to be able to say, you left, I feel left. I might even say, you left me. You allowed this to happen. Where are you? Like the, these these questions, I would I would ask. But then, at the end of it, but you're still good. But you're still my God. But you still love me. And to me, that is the from the 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 practical spiritual realm or aspect rather. That's the language that I'm going to be given, not just to myself, but to others. Like. Yes, have all of that, but before that period is is put down, what am I saying? What am I declaring His goodness? Yeah, identifying what we know to be truth, because a lot of times when we're in the thick of emotions, um, we can't figure out which way is north, which way is south, which way is east, west, and when you know that there is a a point of contention, if you will, or a place in your heart that. I am feeling all of these emotions. What does the truth of his word tell me? 
and I can write those things so I can come back to the truth. I can express and say all the emotions I need to because we are allowed to do that. And that's what my husband's communicating is in the Psalms, we see all of the emotions that David was feeling and he said them. We, we don't have to feel ashamed because that's the other thing. And we're going to talk about the talk piece is a lot of times we're bound up because we feel like there's things we can't do or say. And so we haven't expressed those things and it's inside. We're holding it in and it's tearing us up. It's like literally like we drank arsenic and it's inside and we feel like we got to hold it in. We got to keep it contained. And really the Lord's like, give it to me. Say it. It's okay. I am a safe space for you. But then come back to the truth of who you know I am. And that is what David did throughout the Psalms. He said all the emotions and he ended, he ended the chapters consistently with, but I know you're good. I know you can be trusted. I know you are all these things. So what are the truths that we have to come back to in our individual person? Because everyone's got a different circumstance and situation that they're working through. What are the truths? And if you need uh, accountability, a friend, a pastor to sit down and help you identify, okay, help me to see where the lies are and where the truth is so that I can meditate on the truth and come back to those when I'm feeling all my emotions. That's so good. Thank you for that. Uh, I want to also just add scriptures to that. Um, many of us know the scripture, Philippians 4, 6, 7. Philippians 4, 6, 7. Um, it says, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what does it say? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, understanding come on, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What does it say? It will guard your heart and your mind it will guard your heart and your mind and i love what you both said because what um uh for those maybe who who, who are who are trying to like piece together what you're basically saying is that express what you want to say god i felt like you did this but it's important now that we do not um we do not accept this um false imagery of god that we are creating by saying these things right so i can say god i i, I feel like you left me I feel like you let this stuff happen to me. Oh, I felt like um, you, you brought me into this world just to give me parents who weren't going to show up for me. God, what kind of father does that? Right? If we leave it there, we've now just created a false imagery in our head of what God is. That he's someone that is cruel. That that's what he does to people. But no, what do we do? We go back into scripture now. And we say, let's be honest, let's, we Google search it. Scriptures when you're feeling alone. Mm -hmm. Honestly, mm -hmm. even even as I was I was looking at a scripture that I was reading like earlier this week, and because I was having a moment like this too, where I was like, God, this is how I feel. And I remember I said this in, in, in Psalms 25 verse 4. After I said everything, I said, God, show me your ways, O Lord. Mm -hmm. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Mm -hmm. So after all my emotions, I'm gonna go back to your word, and I'm gonna speak it to you because your word is true. And mm -hmm. that speaks of your good nature. David, can I speak to one uh, point that you just brought yeah. up? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Um, we read that it says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. That piece is so huge because even given the example that you gave, David, of like, man, you brought me in this world and, you know, I have parents that don't, that abandoned me. It's like, yes. 
I, I see that. But Lord, wow, thank you for those people that you brought in my life that have been like parents. Thank you for that friend that has cared for me like her very own. Thank you for the shelter that you brought me even when I didn't. Like posturing and recognizing all the ways that you have to be thankful, it ushers us into the peace. Mm -hmm. Because we can get fixated on where we feel like we're lacking, where we feel like God didn't answer. But when we posture ourselves to say thank you around that circumstance, you, it would blow your mind the peace that the Lord brings because that posture of thankfulness in prayer. That's good. Do you want to say? Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, so my, my pop left when I was four. Um, probably saw him again when I was like nine, ten, around that age. Um, and, and the, the process of forgiveness, and I'm 36 now, um, has been ongoing. Um, like it's not, it's not easy. And, and the, you know, when, when he left and we kind of got back together and I went through therapy and, you know, probably around 20 years old, like I'm starting to believe these lies, like, you know, the, the, the untruth is I'm not lovable. He didn't want me. I wasn't good enough. He has another family. Like all of these these lies really begin to I, I begin to internalize them. So then I'm not treating women right because my dad didn't you know my my dad didn't tell me or teach me. I don't know how to be a father because I never had I, you don't know how to be a good father. You didn't have your father. But then what is the truth? Like, if I know that I have a father who truly loves me, then I have this, this the closest thing through a, to a parenting manual that we'll ever get in the Bible, and I can come back and believe the truth and know I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I, 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 um, I have models in my life that have shown me how to be a good, not just a good father, but a great husband. I don't have to accept what the world says about a uh, at-risk youth, which I totally hate that term, um, sidebar. But I don't have to accept that I'm going to be a womanizer, that I'm going to be an alcoholic, that I'm not going to be faithful. Like, you're looking at 13, 12, 13 of, like, my eyes are for her and you and only on. you. Come on, five children. Five children? Six. 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 <laughs> there he go, there he go. <laughs> no, but I don't have, like, um, monogamy. Like, it's, it's, it's in reach. So I just wanted to share that part because, again, just being open, like, this is the practical piece of, well, what does it look like to anchor into the truth of God? That's good. And, and not believe the lies of what he's going to tell us. Yeah. That's so good. And so, obviously, once we pray, right, the next thing is um, we talk about it. Now, I want you guys to understand this. This is such a sensitive area right now because um, can we just agree? Um, I can just say on average, maybe like 70% of the people in this room are African, right? And so many homes you are taught not to talk, yeah. right? You see something, don't say anything about it. You saw your dad do this, you didn't see it. You saw your mom do this, you didn't see it. This happened to you, don't talk about it. Can we be honest? 
Y'all can just shake your head yes, yeah. Right. Can, can I even ask this before? You, there was a client that I have down there in Haiti. They live in Haiti. So they're Haitian, right? And they gave me a, a phrase. And I meant to look it up. They emailed it to me. But it's something along. Any Haitians in the room? Um, I like the food. Bomb. Um, it was this, uh, like, wash clothes. Something about wash clothes, right? Like, you wash dirty clothes in the house. Or something. It was some saying that he said. That's good, yeah. So, yeah. do y'all have? I'm sorry, I didn't ask for crap. No, do y'all like have like a like, like this in y'all's even language or? Yeah, that's it. What happens in this house stays in this house. Okay. That and, and this and his thing. It's not necessarily because I want us to collectively agree on this. It's not necessarily communicated, right? Can we be? Can we say that? It's not communicated. It's not communicated. It's not. It's it's, it's expected. Unspoken. Yeah, yeah. It's expected. It's an unspoken standard. Is there? What is? Is there a phrase? Don't air, Don't air our dirty laundry. That's what it. What does uh, that mean? I don't know that. Uh, oh. And 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 this is why I want us to really talk about this with sensitivity because I, I first want to ask this question uh, because. As we're doing, as we're talking about it, I want us to understand there's power in confession. Yeah. There's power in confession. confession. Um, I want to first ask you this question: What do we lose when we're silenced? Like mm. from just from just your perspective, you're, you're dealing with. I'm sure you've dealt with some clients that have kept something um, in in like quiet for like 25, 22 yeah. years. And can I be honest with you? We're in a culture where if someone speaks out 30 years later, what do they say? They should have spoke up. They should, right. So shaming, shaming, yeah, right? Yeah, the shaming. I'm, I'm going to kick it to my, I'm going to kick it to my wife. Go ahead. You, you, you kick off with that one. Um, so when we talked about this framework for years, I pray I talk to see a therapist. The talk piece was so powerful specifically for me in the season that the Lord brought us through when we moved here. Um, I was put in circumstances and situations where I was in my employment, where I thought the right thing to do was to not say, and I was trying to protect other people, I was trying to protect my job, I was trying to protect the culture, and it was slowly killing me. Um, I, there was a physical manifestation of me holding these things in. Um, a lot of us hold stress in different ways. I hold it in my stomach. So I had several miscarriages. I was in urgent care because the lining of my stomach was on fire. I was sick all the time. And it was because I felt like I couldn't say a lot of the things that I was seeing or experiencing because I thought it was for the greater good, right? And it wasn't until I started speaking and testifying because what does the word say? In Revelations, they are overcome by the by blood word, of the lamb and the word, word of their testimony. testimony. So my motive in talking was not to malign, bad mouth, seek revenge. It, liberty, it lit literally was for liberation and freedom, not just for myself, but for others. When I started talking and having the courage to say what was happening, people were coming from underground saying, yeah. Oh my gosh, I was so scared. I didn't know. I, I, I didn't have the courage to say anything until you did. And then when I was speaking, it was freeing me. I was 
I was getting the healing that I needed because my testimony was what was doing the healing in me and for other people. And so for us, yes, we start with prayer and then we are able, able to move to a space of what does it look like to talk about this? Do I need to testify about this? Do I need to speak to someone else about this? Um, do I need to share what the Lord has done and is doing in me, not just for my good, but for the good of others. And it started off for me. I didn't know that it was going to be transformative to other people that were going to hear my testimony, but that was just the nature of what the Lord did because of my obedience. Speak. Because in Proverbs 31, he says, speak up for those who cannot speak for, the se for themselves. Speak up for those who um, are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Um, and a lot of times I thought that was for other people, but it was also for myself. It was for myself. Um, so. No. Uh, it costs you mental. Mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, I think you, I, I think you said it. It costs you mental. Mm -hmm. It costs you emotional health, your well-being. Mm -hmm. um, to an extent, it could take you, it take years off your life. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the stress of holding something. Mm -hmm. um, it costs you sleep yeah all the things. it costs you appetite i mean it is and i think people have to learn or ask themselves the question am i willing to pay this price am i willing to continue to pay the price of holding whatever it is that i'm holding in um and that's how i like to lay it out for clients it's like tell me what this is costing you and once they list everything that it's costing because it's going to cost everybody something different um so, yeah. yeah, with what you're saying, and, and I want to kind of talk about that as well. This cost perspective is very important because there's some people that are saying, and I know there's some people that are like, okay, um, all right, cool. That doesn't that doesn't have to do with me because um, I'm not a, I'm not at a place where I, I can testify yet. Some people are like, oh, I'm not at a place where I can testify. But there's some people who specifically um, you're living in the place where they silenced you, right? You're you're living with those people that silenced you. Um, you are you are still um, in a place where you're even giving your because because I, I want to also frame this as a question uh, on, on on what to do with um, or, or what someone in these positions can do. Maybe there's somebody that's saying that. Um, well, I I think I I think I've been able to process it enough, and I and I don't want to have to relive it again by talking about it. You know, because the last person I spoke to about it, you know, um, I don't they, they they mishandled my information. You, can we be real? They mishandled my information. In fact, they used it back against me. They gossiped. They used it against my character, you know? Um, and, and, and also, like I said, some people are like, the people that silence me, they're the one that's paying my rent. They're the ones paying my school fees. And, and because there's, there's some other people that are saying that if I talk about this pornography addiction, this drug addiction, Oh, the whole, my mom's church is gonna be on fire. I'm gonna have a meeting with with her with her priest, with her pastor, with uh, the deacons and the deaconess and the elders. Who knows? I may be called into deliverance. You validate it. You you validate all of that. I think that's where you start. Like, it makes sense why you don't want to say anything. I I understand. Um, you explore. Cause I, I, what was my talking point on that one? There's so many things. Risk and benefits. Risk and benefits. So, in my informed consent, whenever someone comes to see me, 
Hey, cutie pies. That's not all of ours. Those, the, <laughs> two of those of handsome and cutie pies is to our friends. You too, you too, in the green. <laughs> um, so, so risk and benefits. So after I validate, like, man, that makes sense. I understand that you don't want to say anything because it's been used against you before or because um, they, they have some type of control over you and you just, you feel like if I don't, or, or, or if I do, then I lose tuition. I lose phone bill, whatever. I lose support. So you, you validate that. You point out that it may be a lack of trust that may be a part of this, this, this situation, this issue. But then I also say risk and benefits. So whenever somebody comes to me in my informed consent, I say there's a there's my informed consent, there is a section that I talk about the risk and benefits of therapy. The risk of therapy is that you're gonna go to or talking or talking. The risks are that I may be in an uncomfortable position. I may have feelings that are really difficult to work through and work with. That's the risk. It's going to be hard. Tears, anger, we're going to relive all that probably. But the benefits to me outweigh the risk. Or in other words, I wouldn't do it. In other words, the benefits of what my wife was, went through, the benefits of what I've gone through after we've talked, after we've prayed, are so much more, are so... impactful for your journey of healing. So that's what I would practically say to someone when it comes to, I don't want to talk about this. Mine might be a little more impractical, but it goes to what I feel like the Lord's continued to challenge me in. It's this idea of logic and reason. Um, what does it look like to trust him with what he's leading you to say and do? Because in the, in the natural and the practical, it might be like, man, I, I got rent to pay and I don't want to. We don't know what's on the other side of the door sometimes where God's leading us. And obedience is just that. We're just, we are obedient to what he's leading us to do. True. And I didn't know how. I didn't know what life the Lord had for me on the other side of the risk of talking. If y'all want to hear about all that was lost, we are happy to share. Because what we're not going to do is sell you a dream that it's, oh, it's going to be roses. Narrow is the way, right? Narrow is the way. And so there, were, there was loss, but the fulfillment and the peace and the alignment of being in obedience to the Father was priceless. And I truly think this is a manifestation. What you see before you, us being able to work together, us being able to have our kids with us, that's, this is a manifestation of talking. Mm -hmm. That's so good. You can go to that. That's so good. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think even as I'm about to transition to the last one before, I just want to say a few, just a couple of things, you know. I think it's important for us, you know, even as funny as this statement can sound, in many scenarios, it's true, closed mouths usually don't get fed. That's the reality. Um, and, I, and I always look at, um, especially being in a corporate community, right, we're all about community guys, right? You know, um, 
I would say that some people, they're one, they're just like a sentence away from their destiny helper. That's right? good. They're just, a, they're just, they're literally just a expression of help away from the person, from like, from the person that could literally probably pay their rent. You know, like, oh, if you're worried about if you're going to have a place to stay, if you speak out, I got an extra room. You know, but when we silence ourselves, and um, we kind of spoke about this last week, and obviously I'm not going to go into it, but we spoke about when we um, continue um, in this silence, we now, um, in a way, create this expectation even with our own kids, you know, um, that, and even put even a, a pressure on them that, I went through worse, and look how I turned out. Why is this a, what's, why is this the issue for them? Like, shut up. Bro, I had nobody to talk to. I'm here. I didn't have a mom, and I still was fine. This happened to me. Okay, so what? If you Invalidation. You. Yeah. Invalidation, yeah. And so we must break that cycle um, and be a people who, um, who, who, of course, we're spirit-filled. We ask God for discernment. But be a people that we speak up, we talk. I, I, I've said this before that many people don't understand this, that the moment you start talking is the moment that you come into alignment with God's purpose for you. That the people that he wants to reach is only, um, is, is literally a word away. It's a word away. And so when you, we're in the year of expressions, right? Yeah. Right? And so what, 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 what do we say about expressions that, okay, because God loves us and God is within us, when we now show love to each other, right, it's God's love being in full expression. Now, let's equate this to talking, right? And so even though God is working some things, things through us, and when we silence ourselves, we are stopping a potential of the full manifestation of a testimony of God's glory being expressed, just because, let's be honest, we're afraid of the cost. And so I want us to, we're not, we're going we're gonna to transition, but I want you, for some of you guys, you're going to just put that in your notes. I need to take some time to count the cost and evaluate it because it's a cost that you can actually pay. When that situation happened to you, God was saying that there's going to be a moment where this is going to be part of the things you're going to look at and, and they can be, I've equipped them, I've strengthened them to pay that price. I already have things set up, and so you're going to have to pay that price, but please, let's stop the narrative that silence, everybody goes through it, oh, your issue is nothing, I've been through worse. No, that's not what we're going to do. And the last point that we have here, walking through um, this process of forgiveness, we've talked about praying, we've talked about talking, um, and, and so the, the, the last aspect, and um, which is why I'm so happy that you guys are here as well, is just um, throughout this series, is see a therapist. Um, and, and the way I want us to kind of look at this, uh, even as I was just thinking about this point, was um, many of us know the scripture Acts 2, 17 to 18, Acts 2, 17 to 18. And I think this is literally an embodiment of what our house is about. We are the home of the what? The sent ones, right? Acts 2, 17 to 18 says, and it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Verse 18, and on my men servant, men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Understand this. We are going to scream that we are the sent ones. We are the sent ones. Here's, some, here's the thing. There's some people that are going to study um, marriage and family counseling and you're going to go out and be therapist. Imagine if um, the perspective 
of someone who's going through these things is like, oh, I don't want to see somebody out there because of this, because of that. Here's the thing. There's some therapists that are filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Um, come on. You're an accountant that's filled with the Holy Ghost. You're a doctor that's filled with the Holy Ghost. So there's some therapists that have been, that are filled with the Holy Ghost, that have been equipped practically. Here's the thing. No more of just talking to your friends that don't have the qualifications. Y'all talk to your friends that don't have any qualification and take their advice and run with it. Yeah. So, so understand that in the last days, God said, I'll pour out my spirit. And so he's poured out his spirit upon all flesh. And so I, I want to hand that over to you guys to just kind of just talk about this. I see a therapist. No, I, I loved your segue um, because it was something. And actually, actually, we were at Friendsgiving with our family over here. And um, and I, I thought I kind of stumbled into being a therapist. Like, oh, I like talking to people. Um, oh, I just need to get a master's degree. Um, not really knowing that, yeah, I'm good at this, but it was something that somebody said. She said, you were anointed to be a therapist. And it just struck me, and I was like, wow, God is very intentional. This was not a, you know, sometimes it feels like we just kind of stumble, but God is so intentional and so strategic. And we think we just happen to be somewhere, but the Lord was like, man, I've been working this together since before you were born. Right, and, and you see me like, wow, Lord, I'm anointed. Like, it struck me. I kind of threw it off, but like, so you're right. Like, he poured out his spirit. And I'm probably year six, year seven, year eight, and probably to my, my, my career as being a therapist, not really knowing that, man, he poured out his spirit on me to hold space for people that are ready to talk. I'm not trying to fix them. I'm not responding. That's his job. I get to just create this space where you get to come in and say for the first time, this happened. And I'm not even, I might not even say anything. If I talk 10%, 5% of the session, and you talk 90%, that's a win. Because God is working through, he's working through me to heal what hurt and pain is inside of you. So I, I, I can't thank you enough for bringing the scripture and tying it to this framework because it is true. Um, yeah, we normally just say, hey, look, don't trust me with your, with your sewing. Don't trust me with your fade. Because I'm not a professional. All right, don't trust me with your eyebrows. Because one can go this way and one can go this way. Because I'm not a professional. It's okay to say there's no stigma around. That's why we do this. That's why we wear this. This is why we sell the merch. It's because we want to take this and say, enough with the stigma, enough with suffering in silence. See a professional. Um, and it's going to be a long road. Like we said, adventure. There's a lot of adventure in our marriage, but let's not trip or think that all adventure has been, has been all fun. It's been some tears, a lot of tears, a lot of working through. But again, when you're ready to do that work, there is healing on the other side of it. So see a professional. What you got to put to that? Um, Does anybody want me to do a sewing or they fade? <laughs> no? Okay. You brought up a point, David, of, you know, what happens when people kind of feel like, you know, I tried and it went wrong. Um, 
just be reminded that when we are in a relationship with someone and it doesn't go well, I don't think anybody says, I'll never be in a relationship ever again. I'm done, right? We think about it. But then we come <laughs> back around and we're like, okay, I guess I do like them. Round I two. like her. <laughs> you know, we come back around and like, like my husband said, the Lord has anointed people to do the work. We have the privilege of being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so when you are taking this hard step of being with a, to, to go see a therapist, you know, ask the Lord to lead you to who he has for you. And the same that we ask for, who's, you know, who am I going to be with? Who's my, ask him to lead you to who he has for you, you know, um, because that person has an opportunity to be Jesus in that way. And I'll say this, um, it's uh, therapy's a way. It is not the only way. It is a way of healing. So I don't want to be like, therapy, everybody got to be in therapy. Mm-hmm. Can we all benefit? Yes, but it's a way. And the last thing I'll say is, um, again, tying us all back to appreciate you guys saying, hey, what do we have to say about forgiveness? The picture that we would leave you with is this, 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 and we were talking about it last night, when, you know, imagine someone broke into your home. If this is triggering for someone my, I, I apologize, but this is, you know, there has to be multiple layers of forgiveness. So kind of keep that in mind. If there's something inside that you're like, man, this this struck me, and there's things I had to be had to forgive someone for. Remember that it might just not be a blanketed statement, but if someone broke, you have to forgive them for breaking into your house. And then a week later, you have to forgive them because they stole. PS5. Boom. <laughs> I was thinking like grandma's chain or something like that. And then two weeks later, you have, what'd you call it? A knife right. Oh, yeah. You might, you might have wake up in the middle of the night remembering how GSD. you felt. Yeah. Um, Did forgive him for that. Yeah. So these things might continue to come up. So it's a process. The same way that Jesus healed, sometimes he healed immediately, right? Sometimes, Jesus, there's a process of healing. Sometimes we may not see the full healing until we're on the other side of glory. But it's still a healing process. All right. And trust the, trust him with the process. That's so good. Honestly, can we just give them a round of applause? Honestly. Um, this has been so amazing. And, um, and, and one thing I, wanna, I want us to um, and just write this in your notes. What, what I want you guys to do this week um, is I want you guys to um, write down specifically, um, pray talk, see a therapist. And I want you guys to begin to write down specifically, okay, what do I need to pray about? Who do I need to pray about? Um, so is it is it praying to God for your heart? God, uh, take this heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. Um, do I need to talk, do I need to pray about um, the person that abused me? Uh, what do I need to pray about? So just write it down practically. Then in the talk, what do I need to talk about? What do I need to say? What have I been holding in, you know? Um, what, do I, what do I need to finally just let out? And here's the thing. This is not a, um, a task list that will be done within one month. It's, it's letting you know what are the steps that I need to take to process through this forgiveness. Um, and so I want us to, to do that um, and this week and, and, and put it as a... Uh, as an assignment for us to really work through and, and get to a place where we know that we can forgive. Um, we may not forget. <laughs> um, and, and even for those as well, you know, that are on the other side that are saying that, oh, you know, 
um, I did something to somebody and I'm waiting for them to forgive me. What do I need to pray about? Right? What do I need, who do I need to talk to? You know, uh, because the weight, of, the weight of knowing that they haven't forgiven me yet is, is, is pushing me down. And so on both sides of it, I want us to, to do this um, this week. And, and I really want us to be sensitive to what God wants to do. And, and I really want us to also consider what that, the cost of all this is. Um, paying the price of talking, paying the price of getting to a place where we can forgive is a, is a costly price. But here's the thing. You're going to be more in debt if you choose not. Because it's going to eat you up. What do they say? They say, forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for, it's for you. So it would be an amazing plan for the enemy to keep you in that place, keep you um, bitter, keep you down, resentful, thinking about vengeance, so many different things. Um, what if, what if that? And so please, let's take this serious as a church. And so just real quick, can we just begin to pray and um, just cover um, Gary and Brittany just for, as they poured out um, today, just pray for them um, because this is such a sensitive subject, but I want, I, I want us to, to just pray that God will um, cover their marriage, cover their family, cover um, their, their businesses, uh, cover um, what they've been anointed to do, that even as we are talking um, about and we have been just discussing about forgiveness and, 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 and these things, that it shall be even evidence within their own life. They're still working through some things, some things that may have happened a long time ago. And so let's just pray that God will continue to process um, and bring it to full completion within their own personal lives as they're working through some of these things as well. And that um, by nature of them talking about this, um, that, uh, that, that God will, uh, will honor them will honor them in the way that they that they know fits best, that he know fits best. And so uh, that God will continue um, to strengthen them. God will continue to um, anoint them with greater, that God will continue to open more and more doors for them, that they will not lack, um, and that, uh, that uh, God will give them longevity, um, the strength to steward what he's building within them, that it will not just stop with them, but it will continue from generation to generation to generation, um, and that at the end of the day, when they're old and gray that they will be able to look at everything and know that God be glorified. Thank you, God. So, God, we just pray, Heavenly Father, for Gary and Brittany, Lord. We just want to say thank you, Lord, for um, how you've used them as vessels uh, this 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 Sunday, God, to just speak um, to the Gap Church, Lord. Um, Heavenly Father, God, even as words have been uttered from their mouth, God, um, it has sent waves. It has sent um, just um, the, the, uh, the Spirit of God on assignment to specific hearts, Heavenly Father, God, um, to continue the good work of healing and, and mending. And Heavenly Father, we just pray, Lord, even for them, God, I pray, Lord, Lord, that um, you honor them, God. I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you give them more and more wisdom, God. We pray, Lord, that you um, uh, expand their capacity, Heavenly Father, God. I pray, Lord, that they shall not lack, oh God. I pray, Heavenly Father, God, that um, even as they've poured out themselves, Heavenly Father, God, that you pour back into them, Lord. We pray, Heavenly Father, God, uh, that um, for, for greater open doors, Lord, we pray, Heavenly Father, God, that um, let there be multiple testimonies, God, that are attached to what they have said, Lord. We pray, God, that um, even in what they've been praying in, in the secret, Lord, we pray, Heavenly Father, God, that um, you answer those prayers, God. And I pray, Lord, um, those deep desires, those visions that you may have given them from when they maybe first started their relationship, those things that you said that this is what you guys are going to do, God, that we pray, Lord, in the year of 2024, God, that they begin to see evidence of these steps coming into full fruition, God. 
We pray, Heavenly Father, God, Lord, um, for safety upon them and their family, God. We pray, Heavenly Father, God, um, that your blood will cover them, oh God. And we pray, Lord, that we'll continue to hear great news from them, God. God, we say thank you once again. We give you the glory and honor and adoration. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Can we just give a hand of a, a round of applause for Gary and Brittany? Thank you so much. We appreciate you for doing this. Thank you so much. Y'all are officially family. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. Can we just um, just just applaud them as they make their way back to their seat? Um, this has been great. Has this been great, guys? Um, just right now, just keep on clapping. Keep on clapping. Keep on clapping. Keep on clapping. Thank you so much again, uh, Gary and Brittany, for being a part of this. Um, just real quick, uh, I just want us to just pray a quick prayer. And let's just go ahead and just close our eyes. And I just want to just, so just praise that God, pray that God um, help me to forgive. Just very simple. Help me to forgive. Help me to forgive, oh God. Help me to forgive, Heavenly Father. God, even as we have spoken about these things at length, Heavenly Father, God, it's now about the action. And so, God, help us to forgive, Lord. Help us to forgive, oh God. And just even now, even as we have been praying these things and... Um, I want us to be able to just um, give an opportunity for anybody here that um, wants to give their life to Christ, whether online or in person. Um, as we've spoken about um, forgiveness at length, um, we have spoken about how um, we are called to forgive, not necessarily because of just it's the nature of God, but also because we have been forgiven ourselves. And so I want us to um, just allow for this opportunity for anybody that may be here um, that may be saying that, okay, I want to come into a relationship with Christ um, in person or online. Um, and so uh, if you are here and you want to come back into a relationship or start anew, um, I want us to say this prayer all together um, just as in unity. And so can we just pray this together? Um, just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Help me to know you better. As I accept you today, take over my heart and dwell in me. Forgive me of my old ways and help me to change into the person that you want me to be. I love you, Lord, and I proclaim that you are my God. In Jesus' name, just still there, eyes closed. I want to pray for anybody that said that. If you said that, just raise up your hand. If you're online, just press uh, text saved. If you said that in the audience today, I just want to pray for you, um, even as we're extending this invitation as a house um, that for those that want to come into a relationship. If you said that, um, I just want to pray with you right now and thank you. Um, just keep the hand raised up so I can I can know who to pray with. There we go. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you, God, just for this decision, Lord. We want to say thank you, God, for um, this opportunity to come into relationship with you, God. Lord, as you have chosen um, us to forgive us, Heavenly Father, God, and you've now tasked us to forgive those, God. We, uh, we want to bask in that forgiveness, Lord, and acknowledge the price that you paid for us, God. And so, Lord, we just pray that you silence every voice of shame as they are making that decision, God. We pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that this will be a decision that they never regret, God. And we pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that um, continue to renew the joy of their salvation, God. 
We also just pray, Lord, that um, for every single person here, God, even as we are going through this walk, Lord, encourage us, oh God. Strengthen us, oh God. We say thank you once again. We give you all the glory and honor and adoration. In the mighty images we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Again, text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.